Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to Talking Terror. We are live with a brand new episode. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Ghoul Geek Keith's film pick of the week, The Hills of Eyes from 2006, directed by Alexandre Aha, or Aja, however you like. We'll just go either way with that. Uh-huh. So it'll be interchangeable. Aha or Aja, I believe it's Aja, but I always say Aha because I just like Aha. <laughs> and we are also... Joined by the bull, the beautiful, the ghoul geek Keith. The hills are alive with the sounds of mutants. Hello, 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 everybody. How is uh, how are you uh, doing, ghoul, tonight? I am fine as always, my friend. Good to go, ready Glad to go. Watching movies like crazy as always. I know you've been keeping up with that. Uh, the, what is it? The A list, AMC's A list. Oh, indeed, man, indeed. Yeah. They are going to hate me by the time it's done. <laughs> well, I mean, are you making use of it? You know, I mean, you're paying into it. You might as well get your money's worth. So that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing about it. Yeah, I, uh, I just I don't know. It was funny. I was talking to one of the ushers at the uh, the theater today, and. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's an interesting thought process as far as like, I, I feel like this is one of those things that they feel like people will buy, but never use mm-hmm. to the extent that like I'm using it at, at this current level, um, where it's almost like when you buy, when you, you know, you, you put in for like a trial subscription on something online, you know, and they figure, okay, well, you're going to kind of forget about it. And then you're going to be so lazy as to, to not want to cancel it because you don't want to go through 18 different websites, you know, flip flopping left and right on passwords and this and that go under, go over. If you stand on the roof, put your hand on your head. And then finally, we're going to give you a phone call. We're going to ask you about six different times, whether or not you really want to cancel this subscription. And then just as we're ready to say, yes, we're going to cancel this for you. We're going to offer it to you for another nine months for 99 cents per month so that you can continue watching taboo porn. Um, thing. <laughs> I feel like this is one of those things where they're like, hey, you know, people are going to pay 23 months, $23 a month. Maybe they're going to see a movie. Maybe they're going to see two movies. Like I said, for me, I am pushing to try to get to at the minimum two movies per week, but I would really like to hit this three movies per week every week if, if I can do it. Oh, I, I definitely think that would be worth your while to try. You know, but it's a good thing because, like you said, you go to the movies all the time, so you might as well take advantage of a program that allows you to go see these movies for free, basically. Uh, You're just paying the monthly fee. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, not counting the two that I didn't do my digital tickets with. I have done done at least at least 13, 13 movies at this point. 13. Wow. And you got this how long ago, the say list? What's up? I said you got this when? 
You know the A-list? Uh, August, like August 10th, August 11th, something like that. Okay, so you're making pretty good progress. You're 13 movies deep, and you just got this in August. So we're not even a month in yet. So that's, that's uh, pretty no. epic. <laughs> All right, so, but uh, this weekend you did go see a movie of a different ilk at a different location, the Mahonic Drive-In. You went to go see the classic, the immortal Valley of the Dolls. So I wanted to get your report on what that was like seeing it on the big screen at a drive-in of all places. Dude, again, as you know, it's I, I forgot how long it's been since we've been to the Mahoning Drive-in. Uh, it's it's I think it's been like two years, two years and change, maybe. Such a fantastic venue, and yeah, you know, the the, the place is just awesome. It's awesome nostalgia. It's in a beautiful location. It's this. You know, big old drive-in movie theater that's only showing 35mm movies, so every weekend's a themed thing. And to, to really tap it all off, you know, you can camp overnight. So if you go and you took a trip to get out there for whatever weekend it is, like two weekends ago they did Camp Blood. This past weekend they did Real Weird, you know, weird cinema, just strange stuff. Um, right. You know, for us it's a two-hour drive to get out there. So now you can either go get a hotel room, or if you're like us and you're a little bit resourceful, you pitch a tent, you know, you bring some snacks, some bottles of water, and guess what? You make a night of it, you're there with a bunch of other, you know, fans of the genre, fans of film, and you know what? There were more people camping than we ever saw when we were there a couple years ago. So it's definitely hot, and people are, are going there, they're partying, they're having a good time. Uh, they did uh, for us. We got to see Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, it's a movie. Um, that much uh, I can Brian tell you. Good one. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, that's subjective. It's it's definitely yeah. <laughs> something to say the least. Yeah. I understand why it's put into the real cinema. Um, I don't know. I guess if you took one part Phantom of the Opera, one part Jim Steinman. And kind mm-hmm. of crushed them all together, and the music is a little bit not as good, but you know that's that's kind of the gist of it. But yes, followed by Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, um, awesome to see on that big screen, awesome just to hear those tunes and see those characters, and just to to be surrounded by so many other people appreciating it and loving it, and you know. I, uh, all of these films are obviously taste-oriented. There definitely were a lot of Phantom of the Paradise fans. I personally right. have never seen that film before. Um, and I know for me, though, again, it was all about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So I'm, you know, howling at the, the points that you're supposed to be laughing at. And cause, you know, I don't know, I feel like I get it. You know, I know there's people that don't get that film. I, I'd love to be one of those people that do. Uh, but overall, it was just it was a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, we got to find out that after everybody clears out, they decided to put on a bonus movie for us. Um, it was some 1985 film. The the name of it is slipping on my brain right now. Uh, something about some kid with psychic powers who is talking to his dead father but it turns out to be like a demon or some shit like that it, again it was it was another bizarre one that's for sure i've probably seen that one too that's a sad thing 
I'm, you know, I'm trying to rack my brain right now, but I can't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I'm probably seeing that one. Sounds like Ghost House, but I don't think it's Ghost House. But uh, no, no, I have it. Not Ghost House. I, no, I have it in the messages that the ghoul sent me. I believe it was something called Making Contact. Yes, Making Contact. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, have not seen that one. Okay, and yes, we are joined by the demonic doctor. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. Okay. Doctor, so, cool. doctor, uh, how you doing? Doctor, doctor, how you doing? Doctor, doctor, doctor. Doctor. Good evening, sir. So, yeah, no, again, like I said, it was a fun time. They have a, a, a lot of weekends coming up. I know the next one that I, I would love to make it out. We, might, we are thinking we may only make it out for the Friday night. Uh, they're doing a real kills. Um, or sleep, I'm sorry, sleep kills. I guess that would make more sense. Uh, weekend that would be the weekend of October. I think it's like 11th and 12th, and they are doing the first six. Yes, it is the weekend of 11th to 12th of October. Sleep kills at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. Uh, the first six Nightmare on Elm Street films. Uh, I mean, come on, you're at a drive-in movie theater that you can camp out overnight, watching yeah. films about dream demons. Yeah, kind of I, uh, those are, those are my man. favorite. Dream demons are my favorite. They, they are. are. I bet it's, they are. Like to cuddle with them. Pretty cool to drive in. It's amazing. I mean, when you showed me that post, uh, the, the poster for Sleep Kills, I was like, that's amazing. All six films, two nights, drive in. I mean, that's like a dream come true. And again, you know, you got vendors that are set up there that are selling old movies, old CDs. Uh, you know, the Ghoul Girl bought. Uh, the Manson family album. I don't know. It's some kind of two disc set of the uh, I I guess that, the Manson you know. family family girls like singing or something. Family, jam. family jams or something to that effect. Um, yeah, that's got uh, Six but, uh, City on there, which is my favorite Manson song. So I have that one. And uh, and again though, it's it's a good time, well worth the trip. So anybody that's in the area, make it out there, have some fun. Excellent. It I'm sounds like you fun. Time. A lot of fun. Uh, you know, always a, I mean, how you about know, you, Kate? What did you do this weekend? Well, as you oh. know, the Med Monkey and I went to Creature Feature Weekend in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, uh, which is at the Wyndham Hotel and Resort. Uh, we went with his son, Ian, who dressed up like Jason, a uh, camp counselor in training for Camp Blood. A lot of people wanted to take their picture with him, so he was really excited because I know he, he gets nervous. Uh, in crowds, but he was kind of digging it because I gave him an axe to carry around so he could wield that as a weapon uh, and just kind of have fun with it. And he had a lot of fun. Uh, Monkey ended up painting his face up like a skull at the end of the night with an upside-down cross for the Tim Capello concert for some reason, and it worked. Just looked cool, but we don't have any pictures of that, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it was a great convention. For not first take any pictures. How would you not take we pictures did. of that? What's the Don't you know it's a, in this day and age of fast-moving technology. It's a constant, constant battle to create content. And here you are, ripe with opportunities for content, yeah. and, you, and you don't deliver content. I think we took a lot of pictures, though. I think we got a lot of good content people, for the page. People are putting on makeup, getting all kinds of done up, and you're not taking the pictures of it, man. I mean, come on. It's pics or it didn't happen. Yeah, no, but what was cool is that uh, we did bring talking tarot cards, uh, and we placed them around the hotel where other people were placing their own cards. All of them were gone by the end of the night. They all were taken. So we cannot wait to hopefully get some new listeners. Uh, but, yeah, every card that we put out, including the ones that Ian put on cars, like parking tickets, all gone. 
If by chance, for those of you, you that um, are listening, um, um, hi, and we're sorry. <laughs> yes, uh, we did not give him any instructions to put them on your cars. Uh, but I will say this: if you are by chance a new listener and you received one of our cards uh, at the Creature Feature Convention this weekend, uh, please shoot us a message on either our Facebook page or our Instagram account. The Facebook page is Talking Terror, Instagram at Talking Terror, all one word, and we will mail you out some really cool Talking Terror stickers. Uh, it's very cool. Very so cool. let us hear from you. Uh, um, but yeah, so uh, like I said, it was a very well-organized convention for its first one. Very small, very intimate. There was a lot of vendors, but the guest room was very small. They didn't have a lot of guests. Um, so it was easier to kind of walk around. You didn't feel like you were crowded the entire time, which I thought was great. Um, you could navigate the hallways pretty easily. Um, Guest-wise, I met a couple of them. Uh, Jaretta Jaretta from Demons and 2020 Texas Gladiators. Uh, Rats, Nights of Terror. Uh, a big icon of Italian 80s cinema. I got a chance to meet her, and she was a highlight because she just couldn't believe my knowledge of these movies that she's been in. And she was forgetting some of the movies I was even talking about, uh, including Murder Rock, which we talked at length about, which is a Lucio Fulci film. Um, and it was interesting because she didn't have any Murder Rock 8x10s at her table. And she kept saying, Well, oh, if she I, forgot I I that she some, was in I... the movie, if she forgot yeah. she was in the movie, why would she have an 8x10 with her? She forgot, and then I had reminded her that she was a teacher, and she goes, oh, yes, that's right, the Fulci movie. And she's like, yes, yes, uh, let me look. And she goes, I, I don't think I have any more. And then she decided to sign a Demons poster for me saying, next time, let's murder Rock Jaretta Jaretta. Very cool. It wasn't until afterwards that the Mad Monkey told me that she actually did have murder Rock posters at her table. She just wasn't looking at them because she was uh, drinking a little bit of wine at her table, enjoying herself. She doesn't even so. know what kind of merch she has. What kind of professionalism What kind of professionalism is that? Well, I think she was enjoying herself a little bit, so <laughs> I didn't really right. blame I mean, her hey. for that. Um, I'm, I'm sure it was so, a, a highlight for you. But speaking of uh, you know, highlights as we swing the pendulum in the other direction, I heard you had quite the low light too, man. I'm pretty fucking bummed out for you from what I'm hearing. It was pretty rough. It was pretty rough, and I wanted to get to it. But, yeah, Joe Bob Riggs. Oh. Uh, he was the entire reason I went. Uh, former host of Monster Vision, current host of The Last Tribe and on Shudder. Uh, I was excited to meet him. I was nervous. I was walking up to his table and, and looking at all his merch. I got a T-shirt uh, from him from Fright Rags. Uh, just excited to meet him. I picked out a photo, and then I started asking him questions about Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, in which he had a cameo uh, that was deleted. He just went, yeah, and then just ignored it. And I said, okay, well, what was it like to work with Toby? And he goes, yeah. I was like, okay, uh, maybe he doesn't hear my question. So uh, the Mad Monkey asked him if he would be willing to do a promo for the show. He said, I don't like to do things off the cuff, so if you see me later at the end of the con, when everything's wrapped up, we'll work something out. He thought, cool, this is it. We're, we're going to stay anyway for the Tim Capella concert, so let's just wait and see what we can get. The Tim Capella concert. <laughs> Which was great, and I'll get to it. <laughs> but... We, at the end of the night, at, after the concert, we did see him with uh, Darcy the Mail Girl, and I finally approached him and I said, listen, Joe Bob, I got this little script. It's like four lines, 20 seconds. If we could just get you at some point, I will even pay you for this. Uh, it would mean a lot to me. He just went, yeah, I don't think so. And then he started walking away, and his mail girl Darcy got in front of me and said, look, he doesn't want to do it. You keep asking. Just come back tomorrow. And that was my extent with Joe Bob Briggs. 
So just yeah, un- un- that Jason. Yeah, I I mean that's a fucking bummer, man. And I when you were telling me that story, I felt I felt really bad. Um, like there's a there's a, there is a you know in, in the spirit of fairness, there's a piece of me that like. I don't know if I was if I if I filmed this scene in a movie and then it got like cut like uh, and I wasn't in it I might not want to talk about it either but the thing about you know trying to just get a little fucking promo or something like you know I I understand that not every single person at the convention is going to be willing to jump up and cut a free fucking commercial for you or whatnot but like come on man like you don't have to be a fucking dick about it yeah I mean it was like the monkey had said and we both agreed if you don't want to do it just say no. Just say you don't do them, you know, and move on. I would have been less brokenhearted about it if he had just said, listen, I appreciate it, but I don't do those type of things. And I would have moved on. But the fact that he kind of gave you hope that at the end of the night, if you see me, we'll work something out. I think this is perfect. And then it just ended up going that way. So so, so now here's an important question. How is Darcy looking? Because, I mean, I, I know you guys know her as well. You know her as Darcy, the male girl. I know her as Diana Prince, and I yeah. don't mean Wonder Woman. I mean watching no, that no. chick get railed in the asshole like many times on video in, in multiple ways, multiple positions by multiple people, sometimes more than one at once. In the ass? Yeah, she, she, uh, she looked fantastic. Oh, in the ass. And she was also you know, Ooh, playing more the role. More than one uh, at once? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. She was also playing the role yeah. of, hey, he doesn't want to do this stuff, Double so I'll just be the nice person and say, come back. You know, so she was trying to play the buffer. In other words, they were like, fuck off, nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that much sucks, it. man. I feel, I feel bad for you, man. That sucks. I would be so yeah, disappointed was, if something like that happened to me. It was rough. I mean, look, like, it was just like, in... In his defense and in their defense, I'm sure when you're somebody like Joe Bob Briggs, who's the host of a show, you know, it's one of those those people that I'm sure a lot of other people of our ilk feel like, hey, you know, because we're you know, comfortable because talking we're comfortable to just anybody and everybody, that, you know, hey, why don't, you know... Just we'll go ask him, and he should, you know, be willing to talk to us and do this and do that. Um, you know, and I think ultimately, listen, the guy is a professional. This is what he does for a living. His voice, his look, all of that is part of his, you know, his whole image. So, you know, I mean, it might even be a case where he's worried about, like, hey, I do that for them, and who knows who these guys are. You know, they may cut that promo right. themselves and turn it into any number of things. That they can make me say, you know, like not to, not to, to bring them up, but like look at the things that like Richard and Sal do on the Stern show, where they take yeah, voice sure. work from like other things, you know, and chop it into whatever the hell they want it to be. So but I'm I sure mean, that these are, are we things not... that these kind of guys are thinking about, and we're not offering them money. The... You know, you're asking them to he, do well, it for free. The king said the king said he was gonna willing to offer a few bucks, but I like. Uh, you know, I mean, are we? Not, uh, he's the host of a show. We're the host of a show. Are we not? Con- are we not colleagues? Uh, we we can't scratch each other's back. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're in the same industry, Joe Bob. <laughs> we review movies too. <laughs> Here's our card that you're probably going to end up throwing away anyway, but it's okay. We still want to have you know, give you one. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was a, a low point. But, you know, because it was funny because at the end of the night, I was so pissed off about it. I was like, you know what? Fuck him. You know, if I ever became famous for talking terror, I'm fucking turning down nobody. I'm taking pictures of everybody. I'm doing promos for everybody. I was like, I'm going to be that guy. I'm not going to turn a single person down. 
And Monkey's like, you probably did exactly what you everybody. did for the first iteration of our show. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I will show myself out for whoever wants it. Talking Sarah, that's what I did. <laughs> you know, but that's just the way I felt about it. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I can see both sides of the coin with the arguments. But uh, that, so that was the I'll one. just I'm let everybody that. know now. I'm just going to be a complete and utter dick, you know, because, yeah. So you'll be You're the just going to show everyone your dick. that's probably more likely (laughs) but uh, yeah so we also got to meet Tim Capello uh, who did the song I Still Believe from the Lost Boys uh, (laughs) film that we covered Uh, yeah he was so he was such a nice guy like he was unbelievably nice like he was like hey man call me Timmy and I was like Timmy he goes yeah I was like okay Timmy Uh, like you know, this big buff fucking guy, like, you know, asking me to call him Timmy. I was like, that's yeah, fine. But uh, he put on an hour-long set that culminated in I Still Believe. And I couldn't believe the fact that he'd go on for an hour playing different instruments. Uh, at one point, he I have actually a played on, on the monkey's head. I have a What's question that? because was there uh, – your video just showed him. Did he have a band or was he doing everything with, like, loops and shit? Uh, no, with computers. Like, he had a computer set up. Yeah, that, so yeah that's what I mean. So, like – yeah. I, it was hard to tell with some of the fuzziness of the video, but uh, and maybe you would know because you were right there in the room. But was he like, was he actually playing the horn also in that? In that? Yes. Yep. Yeah, he was actually playing the saxophone, and he All actually right, brought up some of the video afterwards. Yeah. yeah. It just in some of the video, it didn't really look like his hands were moving, like where the music was going. Was and I was like, "Oh man, is this guy? Is this guy just putting on a fucking, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a, a just <laughs> she do it a Millie right Vanilli?" <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah. It was the quality of the video, unfortunately. It, it wasn't that great. But no, he was actually playing it. He actually uh, he took out the saxophone community. <laughs> he uh, he took out this other instrument. I don't even know what it was, but it was kind of like a weird saxophone kind of instrument that I didn't get video of. But he did tequila, you know, that was featured in the Pee Wee's Herman Big Adventure movie. Another and missed opportunity for content. And he was, was it an oboe? wailing on the thing and having a great time doing it. Uh, like I said, he played the bongos on Monkey's head at one point because Monkey was on the stage next to him. So he just started slapping the back of Monkey's head. And oh, like, oh, my God. God. Um, was, it, it a, was it a sitar? <laughs> it's really something, a sitar. Uh, you know, uh, one, and I will say, I will say, I saw all of the pictures uh, that you posted from your experience in meeting this guy. And, and he, he, he looked like a, like a genuinely nice, like super fun guy like that provided for fans the type of experience that you would hope to have when you're meeting someone at a convention. Yeah. Uh, he was like hamming it up for the photos and like, it just, it looked cool. You know, it reminds me of like how when I was at the convention with the ghoul and you would get a chance to talk to like Derek Mears and like, he would like take a picture choking you out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like, that's pretty cool. And that's fun that, that he was hamming it up like that. But it's, it's really, it's really something to me that this guy who, you know, was in a movie uh, you know, 30 years ago for a couple of minutes, like just, you know, blowing the saxophone in, in, a, in, a, in a playing the style of music that made no sense uh, to the audience yeah. that he was playing to that seemed to be having the greatest <laughs> night of their lives. And 30 years <laughs> later, this guy's still mil- milking, still milking a few bucks out of that. It's, it's truly remarkable to me. Yeah, 32 years Fuck later, he's still doing it. It, it was great, the fact right? that, I don't even know. Uh, but when you me. met him, he, uh, when he got a picture with him, he would say, okay, we're going to do two poses. He goes, the first one's going to be fun. I'm going to smile. You're going to smile. Then the second one, I'm just going to fucking rock it out. You just rock it out too. And I was like, okay, Timmy. <laughs> I, get, I didn't even ask you for a second one, but okay. 
you know, so we both got it, and uh, Ian, you know, with his axe, he's like, I really want you to put that blade to my neck, make it look cool, and I was like, no, he's such a cool guy, like, he's so nice, like, I couldn't say enough good things about Tim Capello, you know, being such a a stand-up, fun guy that actually liked meeting people, like, he actually seemed like he was interested in what you had to say, and talked to him for a little bit, Um, I was really impressed. I, I don't know what instrument it was. I'll have to ask Monkey if he looked it up because it was a strange electronic instrument that made it sound like he was playing like a, a some type of a horn, but I don't know what it was. But uh, yeah, so it was a great. So, but the other thing, a baritone yeah. sax? Was it a contrabass? Contrabass clarinet? Could it possibly have been that? <laughs> the the thing uh, that I will close out with creature feature is that uh, Corey Feldman was there with Jameson Newlander. We we saw him at certain points. We got a couple pictures of him. Uh, looking like Smooth Criminal, Michael Jackson uh, era. But he was at the Tim Capello show. He was standing up to the side of the stage with Jameson Newlander, and they were enjoying it. I guess he was there with his fiance or his wife. But I looked at him, and I looked at his shoes, and he had these sneakers on, but with incredibly high risers. Like the soles were, like, massive. And I looked at Monkey, and I said, is he wearing, like, risers? And he goes, oh, shit, he is. He's trying to look taller. And I was like, well... He still looks short. So these risers aren't really doing anything for him because he still looks incredibly small. But the fact that he was wearing risers, I don't know why it just made me laugh so much. And I was like, just wear shoes. You know, we already know that you're not a big guy. But he was taking a nap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He probably was half of the time. And then, you know, Jameson uh, looking like a banker from Wall Street. I didn't even recognize him until I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that is Jameson Newlander because Tim Capello pointed them out. So I was like, but yeah. And so we did get to see Feldman, just not in the capacity of actually paying $60 for an autograph. I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, a lot of actors and actresses wear, you know, I'm sure actors more than the the actresses because a lot of times they're wearing heels anyway. But uh, I'm sure a lot of actors wear, you know, Shoes like that to to give themselves the appearance of being a little bit taller. Yeah, as it is, you're constantly portraying something that people see as larger than life on a movie screen. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of times where you kind of get sick of hearing, hey, you know, you look much smaller than you do on TV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was was fun uh, seeing them, uh, you know, and like I said, everybody was, except for the Joe Bob Briggs thing. Uh, it was a fantastic con. Uh, the concert really capped it off, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if they do a part two, because I think that would be a lot of fun, because it was, for the first one, I thought they did a great job. I thought they handled everything really professionally, and everybody was treated very well. Nice. How was the crowds? The crowds were good. I mean, there was a lot of people there. I was really impressed by the turnout. I was expecting to see a lot less than what I saw, but yeah, there were a lot of people from all over. I mean, there were people from Maryland and New Jersey and all over the country uh, that were walking around because I was getting to talk to some of them as I was walking around. I mean, there was a couple from Canada that were there, so there was a lot of people from all over, you know, at this uh, convention. And like I said, the crowds were so good that you walked through the hallways and you didn't feel like you were being bumped around at all or crowded into a corner. Like, it was all open spaces. And that's what I always look forward to at conventions is seeing how crowded the hallways are going to be because I have claustrophobia as it is. And some of these conventions can get very tight. Yeah, well, structure of the building, you know, or the venue and whatnot is definitely uh, key to a successful 
convention. You know, I think that's what they figured out with the uh, NJ Horrorcon, where they were running into the the constant trouble of, of setting up the hotels and and having you know a, a floor plan that was conducive for both the talent and the vendors. Uh, that would make everybody happy and still get, you know, everybody seen and everybody gets some face time and all the tables get a chance to be looked at. Um, that's, that's what necessitated that uh, move down to Atlantic city. So, um, but no, that's good to hear. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. If they do pull another one, you know, I wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be against trying to, to head out there and, and checking it out. Yeah. And, and the, the, the one cool piece of merch that I actually got was from the monkey himself. Uh, Scares That Care, which is a big uh, profit uh, organization, nonprofit, I should say, uh, you know, uh, helping people in need, helping people with uh, different kind of medical bills and things like that. They had a silent auction. And they were auctioning off uh, things like I showed uh, Demonic Doctor, the stuff container that was actually used in the film stuff. Um, Pretty and cool. there was a, a brood poster, which is an actual poster that was used in the theaters back in 1979 when Cronenberg's movie came out. There was one bid for $30. So Monkey said, I'm going to put in a bid for this. And I was like, why do you want that? You don't even like the movie. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll put in uh, $40. Let's see what happens. So we put in $40. We walked away for about a half hour. We came back as they were closing out the auction. His bid was the highest one after the $30 one. So the guy said, it's yours. Take it away. He's like, it's all yours. So here I am walking in the parking lot with this gigantic poster. Everybody's like, that fucking rules. I was like, yeah, I know. It's really cool. And thanks to the monkeys for getting it and supporting Scares uh, the Care. Very cool. You're awesome, out that it was Scares the Care. He was happy. Yeah, it was, it was great. And it's now hanging proudly in my apartment, taking up an entire wall in my living room. So it's massive. <laughs> that point, the I couldn't believe the size of this thing. When I find it for a bottle at home, uh, that's my Facebook profile photo now is me holding that poster because I couldn't believe how big it was once I picked it up. But really cool that the, the monkey contributed to Scares of Care and contributed to my apartment with more horror merchandise that I need. <laughs> so, well, speaking of horror cons, you know, I just uh, just to just throw it out there real quick because I mm-hmm. did mention the, the NJ Horror Con. Um, again, the, uh, the NJ Horror Con. Which is coming up, you know, October 11th through 13th, I think it is, or 10th through yeah. 12th. I forget the exact mm-hmm. dates for it. Um, no, I'm sorry, it's the 11th through 13th. A uh, big guest announcement that they just had yesterday. Uh, actually, okay. maybe you know, it's one of those where it tips me enough to where I may end up having to go now for this one. Christina Ricci, of all people, you know, so. Whoa. I think that uh, okay. that would be kind of a cool person to kind of meet. You know, she uh, was definitely just littered throughout. You know, those those, those formative years of like uh, '95 to to 2005. So, Wednesday, the cool girl is a big fan, and uh, yeah, it's well. Pugsley will be there as well. Jimmy Workman. So that would be a cool little photo op to be in with the two of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely a lot of cool, you know, uh, cool things. That's a very cool guest announcement. Um, I know that they, again, it was just like Creature Feature, where they started out, you know, as the first one, uh, and have actually found success. You know, there's, I think it's the third one coming up. Uh, fifth, actually, or even more, might even be more. Yeah. No, I think it's the fifth one. Fifth. <laughs> okay, so well, I'm I way behind. Sixth. <laughs> 
and, well, that's, uh, that's and also amazing. though coming up this weekend as well is the high, the horror sideshow market uh, out in PA again uh, September seventh and eighth oh, right, yes. Saturday and Sunday and that is in Allentown Pennsylvania nineteen oh one South Twelfth Street Merchant Square come on out we got a lot of vendors we're gonna be there uh, I am fucking super excited you got uh, Felissa Rose and Jonathan Tiersten. Oh, that's going to be awesome. From, yeah, you know, from Sleepaway Camp, you're talking Angela and fucking Ricky, okay? There's just (laughs) no fucking chance in hell I am not going to go meet fucking Angela. I met Angela a couple of times, so real sweet girl, sweet, sweet girl. Um, but never had never had the pleasure of meeting Ricky. I can't wait to meet this kid. You know, I just I, I always think back to Sleepaway Camp, and you know the, the the one thing that just always always stands out for me for that movie is just how authentic the characters felt to this area. You know, when oh, you yeah. listen to their dialogue, you listen to their accents, the way that they're talking, it just screams New York and New Jersey, you know, because that's where all of these kids were from. And, you know, some of the words that came out of that kid's mouth in that movie were just fucking phenomenal. So definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I, I have not met either of them. I would love to. I'm a huge fan of Felicity's husband, uh, Darren Miller. Uh, he was of CKY. Now he's of 96 Bitter Beans. Fantastic vocalist and guitarist. So yeah, me, I would love to meet him. I'm like, Felissa, I love you, but where's your husband? <laughs> like, I got to talk to him about his music. <laughs> you know, I mean, CKY was one of the formative bands when I was in high school, but I listened to it nonstop thanks to Jackass and CKY, the videos. But so that'll be fun. That's this weekend. So definitely check that out if you're in the area of Allentown, and uh, check out the vendors, check out the guests, and support. And buy shit. Buy shit. That's the whole thing. Five bucks to get in. Get in. That's not bad. That's a good good, uh, job. Five bucks. I'll show (laughs) you my cock. And his yawning pussy. He's got one of those, too. It's fucking wet and sticky. It's gross sometimes. (laughs) Icky, icky. (laughs) Icky, icky. Uh, This is sticky. But, Doc, let's head over to the horror news desk and see what you got for us tonight before we get into the movie. Uh, so, you know, we were talking about one disappointment, and there's another fucking guy out here who's an asshole. Uh, apparently, the Reverend Dan uh, Ray, Ray Hill, I can't read my fucking writing, of the St. Edward Catholic School in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a teacher, everybody. Uh, he has... <laughs> He has it on good authority that spells in the books will have terrifying real-life consequences, so he has banned the Harry Potter series from his Catholic school's library. (laughs) So we're back to that again, huh? Back to banning Harry Potter books. He has it on Leviosa. (laughs) And I quote... I have it on good authority that spells in these books will have terrifying real life consequences. Wow. I am, oh, uh, graphic I am sure. I'm sure he's got so it fuck from that the guy. highest of <laughs> yeah, authorities. Really? I am sure that yeah. authority is just up there so high. And uh, yeah. yeah, listen, man, you know, it's, it's a fictional world using made up mumbly jumbly jargon fictional characters uh, abracadabra 
<laughs> don't say that. That's that's actually like the killing curse. It's like a Vajra Kedavra <laughs> or some shit like that, man. Shit turns green and people fucking die, man. So careful when you yeah, say that, okay? Yeah, man, people fucking die, man. People fucking die, man. I don't know, dude. You know, listen, everybody's entitled to their own beliefs. I just, I hate when they start fucking pressing it upon other people. Like, when people are in power and they pull this kind of shit, it's just like, dude, go suck a dick, okay? For lack of any any other etiquette, I'm sure I can say that in such a nicer type of way. But the reality is this, you know... The Harry Potter series of books is one of those few things out there that kids actually fucking read and enjoy to read. And trying to get kids, and to, trying read to, get these kids days, to read these days is, is a is difficult is a fucking difficult thing. fucking. Yeah, true. So, so you know, and I'm sure the you know, doctor and I'm knows sure the doctor... very well. What's that? I guess we lost. No, I was saying, I guess, no. I'm sure you know that very well, that it's hard to get these kids to read as it is. So when you I'm have sure. a series like that, it's popular, and, you know, yes, it's, it's years, years past its prime, but I'm sure it's still one that kids are reading to this day, so, you know, for them to well, take they that totally away, are, it's kind of like... They are. It's, it's, it's not something that, as far as kids reading it, hasn't lost any steam, man. It's, it's still fucking popular. Great. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good I've read all the books, so... So have I. It's going to be popular. You know, I mean, it's... it's I've read, I read, I read all of your books except for the last one. Which one was that? The Harry Potter. I read now all of the rules, personal books. Now meeting my physical copies of them. Oh, I was going to say, he wrote books? Yeah. Why don't I know about this? Except for the... Yeah, he wrote dirty books. Uh, and I... I the, not the <laughs> final book, but the other book. Well, that's... I mean, the Harry Potter books were banned when they first came out in a lot of schools. So it's not like it's anything new. I mean, when that, those books started coming out, they were trying to ban them because of all the magic and mysticism and everything. Stupid. They're fucking books. Read them. Enjoy them. They're fictional characters. Fictional characters. Indeed. Indeed. So what's next, Doc? Uh, so I, for one, and I know that I think that they put one of the uh, – episodes to watch for free but i never ended up watching any not one minute of the jordan peele uh cbs all access twilight zone uh mm-hmm. but richard richard kelly in related news richard kelly who was the the filmmaker behind donnie darko uh is plotting a rod serling biopic uh that he is going to write and direct uh you know sometime in the near future I'd be interested in that. I mean, I'm a huge Rob Serling fan. His, his writings and the Twilight Zone. I wonder if that would have an audience, though. There would be enough people interested in seeing a biopic about Serling. I, I'd like to think that there would be. but I, I uh, I, you, might, you might be wrong about that. And the, what I have to kind of compare it on is that they might make an excellent movie that even like garners – uh, some awards nomination, but I don't think that we're talking about anything that's going to have any kind of true box office legs. And the the film that makes me think of this was uh, the from a few years ago. Uh, the they made that Alfred Hitchcock biopic, which I know is critically acclaimed, and I think might have even been nominated for some awards. But nobody fucking saw it, man. It didn't make any money. So for some reason, oh, that's Hitchcock. what jumps to head as a comparison. Yeah, with uh, Perkins, Anthony Perkins. Yeah, I mean, I saw that uh, in theaters. That was actually a good one. There's also one uh, called uh, I think The Girl. 
uh, that was made for HBO with Toby Jones. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Perkins was from Psycho, and Anthony Hopkins was from Shock. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, oh, man. That's, that's really bringing it all around. Yeah, I know. Just bringing it full circle. But, yeah, yeah, that movie didn't really do much. But it was still a fun movie. I still really enjoyed Hitchcock um, and also The Girl. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? It might find its audience. But I still would like to see it just because he does have a really interesting story, uh, Sterling, you know, going from his writings to becoming an icon of 60s television with uh, Twilight Zone. Yes. And Night Gallery, I should say, too. I forget about Night Gallery. That was, I love that series, too. And so, yeah, so, so there's that. Uh, now I had, you know, over the past, uh, you know, several weeks, I, I certainly have missed a few shows and I want to find out before I go into my next story. Cause I don't, I don't listen to the shows. Uh, did you guys at all ever talk about the, the, the Blomkamp news with the Ro- RoboCop uh, sequel? I don't think we ever got around to it. No. So uh, Neil Blomkamp is off of the RoboCop sequel. He will not be involved in its creation. Uh, Apparently, he's currently uh, filming a project right now, and MGM apparently uh, just, and and I quote, could, according to him, could not wait uh, for him to get this thing started. So uh, where there had been talk that, well, not talk, he was signed on to direct uh, the upcoming RoboCop movie and talked about bringing back the original suit. Uh, he is no longer involved with the project. This is news is a couple weeks old, but I've had it on the back burner and uh, I didn't know if we had talked about it. Or... Yeah. I put it on the talking terror page when it first broke, but uh, we didn't talk about it on the show because it makes me wonder now if they're even going to bother going forward with the project or if it's just going to be one of those shelved uh, ideas. No, I think gone. that the reason was that the, the studio was full steam ahead to get this thing made and didn't want to wait for him to finish directing the, whatever it is that he's currently directing. Well, then they have to find another director then, you know, who would be interested in doing it. <clears throat> so I haven't heard any news about a new director being picked. I mean, maybe that'll be coming. But like I said, it could also just be scrapped altogether. They could just shelve it. I like Chappie. So- yeah, I mean, I, I would see it get made, though. I mean, I was excited when we first heard the news about RoboCop Returns and the original suit and going back to old Detroit. So I'm still kind of hopeful as they find a director uh, to replace Blomkamp and, and move forward with it. And I wish Neil Blomkamp the best of luck with his new project, and hopefully it'll be a good one because I am a fan of Blomkamp. He makes a lot yeah, of Chappie, not, not Chappie Sinclair. Chappie the robot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I was talking about Chappie Sinclair. That's that's what my mind immediately. That's that's what okay, I'm talking so about. Uh, what's next? What is next? That's a good question. Uh, so uh, as we steadily, steadily uh, creeping towards September 26th, when on Shutter we will see the debut of the Creep Show series, uh, Shutter has announced uh, what the the first episode, which two stories are going to be presented. Uh, on on their debut episode because each episode is going to have two stories. The first one is going to be the Stephen King story, uh, Gray Matter, uh, directed by Greg Nicotero. Uh, that one will also feature uh, Adrian Barbeau. And then the second one is going to be called House of the Head, and that's going to be directed by uh, John Harrison. Now, uh, 
I don't want to get too much into this stuff, but one of the things I was reading today uh, from Bloody Disgusting uh, was that they paid a visit to the set and they have talked about uh, the level of uh, quality and craftsmanship uh, that has gone into this is truly second to none, uh, and that there is going to be uh, just a, a treasure trove of Easter eggs uh, throughout all of the uh, episodes. I know I had uh, talked about this once before, about how in the original Creep Show uh, there is an ashtray that is featured in all of the segments, uh, and that they said that uh, in this new series, they were also going to feature an ashtray in all of the segments. Uh, not only that, uh, they were able to track down the actual ashtray that was used in the original Creepshow movie and will be using oh. that same exact ashtray. Uh, somebody uh, on set for the original ashtray had like taken ownership of it and kept it, and someone working on the new series was aware of this, and uh, they arranged a deal for the ashtray to be used. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And in addition to that... Uh, in one of the episodes, uh, and it, it's funny because you brought this up not long ago, King, in our discussion earlier this evening, uh, you are going to, in, the, in a freezer somewhere, get a glimpse of a stuffed container. Uh, so there's going to be all kinds of Easter eggs uh, throughout That's the upcoming cool. Creepshow series. And I, for one, am look going, looking forward to, to checking this one out. Long ago, in the very, very first uh, version of the Talking Terror Presents program, we did an episode where we uh, the discussion talked about the you know, the films that like got us into horror way back when. And, and on that discussion, I think we were each supposed to choose two and creep show was one of mine. So I'm looking forward to see what they have come up with for this new version. Uh, and that will be seen on the shutter network on September 26th. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> you did talk about last week, how it is going to be uh, six episodes of two stories each, and it's going to be episodic. So you're not going to be able to binge it which like we talked about last week, I think is a great thing. I actually kind of like yes, the idea of them having to do it week it, to week. It's, and it's, it's week to week and it's also set up so that the final episode will air on Halloween. Very cool. And yeah, I can't wait to see the Easter eggs. I did see some of the bloody disgusting coverage from their set visit. Uh, some of the photos that they got, you know, behind the scenes. And yeah, it, it definitely looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks like the spirit is still there for creep show. So I'm looking forward to checking out that series. Um, okay, uh, so what's next, Doc? Uh, apparently, parents in Australia are very, very, very upset at the marketing campaign behind It Chapter 2 because they're saying that the scary images that are displayed on billboards are terrifying their children. Mm. <sighs> they're fucking billboards. <laughs> it's just... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like that we talked about earlier with the Harry Potter books being banned by this one pastor. It, it's just dumb. They're, they're billboards. They're not going to hurt, hurt anybody. The same thing happened in the 80s with Maniac when it first came out. They were trying to paint over a lot of the billboards, thinking that it was going to exploit children and terrify them. I mean, they're, they're just advertising a movie. I think people are just way too sensitive, especially when it comes to horror. No, I would uh, it's ad- agree it's with you. Yeah, it is. It's advertising, and I think that you know it's good that they kept them up. I mean, I know the kids are going to be frightened, but I mean, you know, it's not real. Let's <laughs> like talk about Harry Potter. There's billboards. You know, you got to explain to these kids that it's just a billboard. It's not real. It's not a real clown. They're not going to actually kill you in your sleep. You know. I, I mean, bet just... that. 
I bet that the ghoul thinks that the studio paid all of these parents to say this to create an advertising campaign uh, centered around this film to to drum up the hype for the box office. No, not in this situation, man. It's just it's, it's Australia. It's just people complaining, man. Australia. I read a story. I read a funny story in Australia today. So apparently uh, in Australia, there's a woman that is a vegan and she sued her neighbors uh, because they like cook meat on their barbecue. And she said that like the smell that comes to her uh, house next door from them grilling meats and fish and stuff has uh, ruined her quality of life. And she sued them and the, the courts immediately threw out the case and she appealed and, uh, you know, they then threw the appeal right out of the court and said, this is absolutely ridiculous. And she says she's still going to fight. But uh, meat loving Australians have come together. And at last <laughs> count, something like two or three thousand people are throwing a barbecue like in the street right out front of her house uh, sometime in the near future where they're going to be oh, uh, grilling meats and partying Australian <laughs> style all day. <clears throat> That is the best news. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is, I would love to be there when they do this. Like 2,000 people are just grilling in front of this woman's house. My quality of life uh, is at stake. You're fine. Have a steak. That is the best news, but it's not the horror news. And still in horror news, uh, it seems that uh, when the film. Uh, and forgive me, is this a take on, is this pronounced Midsummer or Midsummer or how, how is Midsummer. this film pronounced? I, I can't tell what they're trying to do with that little O there. But apparently uh, there is uh, a director's cut uh, that is only going to be made available to watchers of Apple TV. It's going to be an Apple TV exclusive. Oh, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, this is one of those films that, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow burn is, is how they're saying it is. Uh, I, I have interest in, in seeing this and it's currently, you know, playing in multiple theaters in the area. Unfortunately, because it's the director's cut, it's nearly three hours long. Um, hmm. and as such, again, I saw fucking Endgame six times in the movie theater. So oh, a three hour movie, you obviously can do that multiple times if you need to. Um, yes, except with it being a slow burn and with most theaters only playing this at like eight o'clock or later, there's no chance I'm going to go see it because I don't feel like sitting in a movie theater until fucking, you know, 1145 at night. And the only theaters playing it are, you know, the Freehold has it at 845. So, again, yeah. you know, I'm going to be watching a movie up until close to midnight after a day's worth of work. It's not going to happen. I'm going to be the guy that's in there, and after about 30 minutes, I'm going to pull a demonic doctor. And you're going to hear me snoring, like in the middle of the movie theater. Oh, no. They didn't schedule the showings around your personal schedule, goal. I, it's not a matter of personal schedule, but how about more than one showtime? They're only putting it on once yeah. every every day. Yeah, but that might the ticket sales might dictate that though. I and I do understand. Do that. understand I do. that? I do. But at the same but time, you know, same, I don't know. They got fucking sixteen showings of you know Angry Birds too. No, that's not even true. You know, right now it's that point. It's the problem is is at that point of the the season and theaters, they're busy waiting for it. 
you know, which comes out tomorrow, which I already have my tickets to go see. Now, when I bought yeah, my tickets yeah. for tomorrow night to go see it at 6 o'clock at Chapter 2, um, there were only three showings in Freehold. I went and checked today, and now there's like 12 showings going on. So they're filling up multiple theaters with this one movie. But now I've also right. looked through all of these other times, and none of them are like full. Like they've added all of these times, I'm guessing, with expectation that people are going to show up tomorrow night. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I hope they do. I hope there's a good turnout. I hope that it's a crazy crowd. But, you know, when I'm looking the night before and I'm seeing all these empty seats, even our theater is only got right. like seven or eight people the last time I checked. It's kind of like, uh-oh. You know, like how much are they banking on that? Like maybe give a couple extra viewings of something like Midsummer that maybe people will go out and see. Like, I don't know. I went out of my way today to go see a – Chinese animated feature that was a 3D IMAX film in Mandarin with English subtitles. One, because it was at a convenient time. Two, because it's an IMAX 3D and it looked like a beautiful movie, which it was. <laughs> Man, you're but, really trying to wring every penny out of that access pass. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not just that, though. Here's the thing, man. You know, that movie alone paid for my A-list. That movie was sixteen ninety nine plus tax for your ticket. I paid twenty three dollars a month for my A list. I own, yeah. that one movie pretty much almost pays off that entire thing. Number two, I was the only person in this gigantic IMAX three D theater sitting there watching this movie. If I didn't get a ticket today, and like I was talking to the cool girl about it, it's funny because it's like kind of like this happened with me with Venom as well. Like it's a creepy thought to think that there are theaters that just play movies to empty seats. Like you know, no matter what, they're putting the movie on. Oh, so they are they? Is, are they going to play it? Are they going to play? They're going to play no it no matter what. Yes, no matter what they put it on, because somebody might show up halfway through and just buy the ticket anyway, you know, so for whatever reason, and they don't want to see it from the start. I don't know, whatever rules they have about it, but they're going to play the movie whether there's anybody in the fucking seats or not, which is a very creepy thought, because I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know, I guess is that what fucking, what What people do in the afterlife? Is this what ghosts, is this what spirits do? Do they just go to movie theaters and just sit in fucking empty seats and watch movies all day long? I would. <laughs> yeah, I would I'm down for it. I'm all good. Yeah. Do you see movies for free? I'm down. But yes, like I said, Midsummer. that I, uh, I want to see it. Whatever, if the director's cut's only going to be – if it's going to be an i-exclusive or whatever, Apple TV exclusive, it's going to be a short – term exclusive maybe a year probably six months you know they they don't like to sign exclusive deals for that kind of shit simply because it just it lessens the amount of uh, people that'll buy it yeah you know i mean i think that it chapter two is really going to make its money over the weekend i don't think uh i mean i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people seeing it tomorrow or then uh friday but i think over the weekend is really when people are going to go pack the theaters to see it yeah, I'm going to try and get there. Uh, that's one that I'll definitely uh, be making a point to, to see in the movie theater. Uh, you know, the the past few months, uh, actually this year of 2019 has been like a, a record year for me in a, for a long time for the amount of times that I've made it out to go to the movie theater. 
And uh, there are mm-hmm. still several that are coming out this year that, that I'm going to make a point to see in the theater. Uh, it Chapter 2 is certainly one of them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. I'm, I've seen a lot in the theater myself this year. It's weird. Um, I've actually made it out. But don't, to you, a, a don't you go to the movies a lot, though? <clears throat> I didn't before this year, but there's been a lot of movies that I've wanted to check out and talk about on the show. So I think the show has actually made me want to get out to the theater more often. Just so I have a little like bit of before, before this year of 2019, I think since I moved to California in 2016, I maybe mm-hmm. have been to the movies like a grand total of like six or seven times in the last three years. Yeah. And one of those times was to see a movie that I had already seen before they, when I got to see a uh, little shop of horrors. Um, but this year I've seen, a, I've seen a bunch. I've been to the movies like once a week for the last few weeks, actually. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Chapter two, though. Sure. Um, all right. So, well, 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 yeah, like I told the king before, I'm up to 13 <laughs> movies in the last month. Yeah. In, in, in theater. I mean, I saw from what from what I can think recently, I saw um, I saw Good Boys, and I saw Blinded by the Light, and I saw Rocket Man, and I saw the Beatles movie yesterday, and I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and. Uh, you know, some other stuff uh, before that that's escaping me at the moment. But, you know, we got It Chapter 2 coming up, and Rambo is just two, a couple weeks away, and uh, the mm-hmm. Star Wars movie coming in December. Uh, so there's a lot of the, stuff. The Very exciting. Joker's coming around, right around the corner. I, mean, I can't wait. There, yeah. are, there are a ton of films coming. I mean, again, It Chapter 2 obviously is, is the main big one for me. Rambo would have been something no matter what I'm going to the theater to see. Joker would be something I'm going to the theater no matter what to see. But then you yeah. got Zombieland 2, Double Tap, coming in yep. October. The new Star Wars <laughs> film coming, in December. That's coming this October. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. I, for some reason, thought that wasn't until next year. That's very exciting. Oh, so that's in something else. No, I'll that's see. October 18th. Be yeah, I've been really but, enjoying you know, the experience of like going to the movies a lot lately. Yeah, and like that's the thing. I was talking to somebody else, though. With having this whole pass thing... Honestly, there's so many films that, like, I would normally consider, like, hey, maybe I'd go see that. And then I look at the price of the ticket, and I'm like, nah, not going to go. Why am I going to spend that money? Why am I going to take that drive? I, I can't say enough good things about this. And I've, I've read up on other theater options as far as passes go. Um, this seems to be the only one that gives you the full pass to every version of a movie. Um, so it doesn't change your, your price plan, whether you're going to a 3D, an IMAX, a Dolby AMC, whatever the hell they call that thing. Um, whereas like Regal Cinemas has one. It's like a little bit cheaper. I think it's like $18 a month, but then they upcharge you if you, you, you want to go see a 3D movie or if it's an IMAX movie. They tack on like another four or five bucks and so forth and so forth. So if you've got AMC theaters near you, and you like to go to the movies, man. I cannot say enough good things about the A-list program. That's great. Um, all right, so, Doc, do you have anything that you want to talk about before we get into the movie tonight? So wrap it up. Uh, surely. Uh, back in 2014, uh, Jennifer Kent had pleasured the world with her Baba Duke Um mm. <laughs> And uh, her follow-up feature, which I had talked about on the show before, is called The Nightingale. And 
Uh, it follows a woman like somewhere in the world in the 1800s uh, where she is on a re- revenge quest of sorts. But uh, apparently the graphic violence in this film, because uh, it's been playing to festivals and, 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 a, and a limited release right now, uh, apparently the violence in this film is, is completely uh, graphic, brutal, and in high quantity. So uh, be curious to see what's going on there. I've been kind of following the, the makings of this flick. Uh, the plot sounds interesting to me. I like uh, some horror when it takes place in like a, in a period, you know, a period other than this. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, that's something I was reading today as well. Well, I know you've been talking about it for a while, Nightingale, so I know that you're really looking forward to, to seeing the movie when it comes out. So looking forward to you know seeing when it comes into theaters where you can actually go see it and give us a review if you actually do go out <clears throat> to check out Nightingale. I'll go see it. All right. If it comes out. So uh, with that being said, uh, I do want to switch. The ghoul's going to see it with like, his access pass. Damn <laughs> fucking straight, I will. Dude, I'm right. ready to go see. Yo, there's so many Indian films out in the theaters around here that I'm almost at the point now where I'm going to go start seeing Hindu films with English subtitles. Some Why of them not? actually look go really good, though. So, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> like I said, you know, I want to try yeah. to do, like, indie films. I want to do all kinds of just different stuff, you know? Whatever. We're going to expand yeah. my culture. All right. So find myself. Let's uh, expand our minds with the movie for tonight, which is your pick, Ghoul, The Hills of Eyes from 2006. Directed by Alexandre Aja. Uh, why don't you get us into this thing? Uh, Aja. Uh, I don't know how mind-expanding it is. Uh, listen, the fact is, I originally wanted to go a little bit light, a little bit funny, go with some kind of comedy. So I started looking up stoner-based horror films, you know, and, and, and was treated to things like, I don't know, one of the scary movie films because, you know, I guess they smoked weed at one point and his face got all jumbled up and he was like, give us that. Um, yeah. So then that led me, though, to so, so tiny, the evil so bond. Okay? The fucking evil bond, which is what I was yeah. originally going to pick. Wait, that was you had my to watch pick. evil bond? I watched something else. I know, I know this, but that was what the original pick was, was the evil bong. And I started no, watching I the evil bong. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. congratulations. No, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm sorry. kidding. I'm kidding. So, so I started watching the evil bong and realized that there's just absolutely no value to that film whatsoever. And I know we cover no. movies. I'm sure at some point or another, Doc, you're going to be like, we're going to cover the evil bong. And I'm going to be like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Get you know? ready for this week, too, boys. This makes blood look show. good, you know? Stay tuned. With, with, with this... This made fucking killer condom look good, you know, as far as I got it. Macaroni. I couldn't (laughs) even like, I couldn't even keep my brain focused enough to actually watch this movie. I even partook to see if that would help. And it did not. So that all being said, you know, I changed the fucking movie to at least something that I was familiar with, a film that I feel is kind of like a family movie. And being that it's kind of that time of year where kids are going back to school and families are getting back together and, and everybody's loving everybody, well, what better thing to do than watch a family get fucking butchered in the desert by a bunch of maniacal fucking mutants? Oh, man, I love it when you choose these light comedies, dude. <laughs> So, uh, Doc, what do you think about the Hills of Eyes? 
Uh, you know, as I say every single time, uh, traditionally, uh, myself, I am not a fan of remakes. Uh, you know, there are the ones that I do enjoy and appreciate, but they're very few and far between. Uh, you know, very rarely do they uh, bring anything kind of worthy or new to the table, nor do they often improve upon the original uh, but I feel that the Hills Have Eyes 2006 is a is a is a really uh, enjoyable uh, film. I remember uh, there was something about this that made me want to see it uh, when it came out originally, and I did. And uh, you know, I was happy that the King, I'm sorry, that the Ghoul picked this one. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, and it was fun to watch it again, which I did. And uh, I'm a fan of the Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, kind of resound your thoughts on it. Uh, I do like the 1977 Wes Craven film, The Hell of Vice, which is a, a remake of. Um, but I always felt like you could use an update. Like I felt like ah, it's a little dated. It's it's not great. But you know maybe somebody someday will make a, a remake that's worthy uh, of it. And I think that Aja really kind of hit the mark with it. I saw this in theaters when it came out in 2006 with my ex at the time. And we walked out of the theater, and she said, that's the scariest fucking movie I've ever seen. And I was like, I'm sold. Good. <laughs> like, you know, because it's, it's been such a long time since I watched a movie with somebody who said, that's the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen. And for her to say that, she was never really a big horror fan to begin with, but she enjoyed it, but it just scared the shit out of her. And I was so glad that, you know, she gave me that opinion, and it always stuck with me. Because it is just such a enjoyable film from the setting to the characters and you have two sides of the families you have the nuclear literal family of papa jupiter and pluto and ruby and lizard but then you also have the nuclear family of the traditional side with uh ethel and big bob and his son and his two daughters and the son-in-law going on the silver anniversary trip and they're going through new mexico to get to san diego um and looking for maybe a shortcut with the help of the uh, gas station attendant. What were you going to say in there, Bull? No, sorry. I was clearing my throat, man. I thought I hit mute. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, but, yeah, what I really did like about it is that they, I really did feel for the characters in this movie. It worked. You know, none of it felt forced. I, I love Ted Levine, so whenever I get to see Ted Levine in the movie, I'm sold. And I thought he really did a good <laughs> job with Big Bob. And Kathleen Quinlan as Ethel, you know, just playing the building housewife of his former cop. Everything kind of worked for me as far as uh, the dynamic of the family. And then you have Aaron Stanford playing, you know, the husband of one of the daughters. Um, kind of just not really liking Big Bob, thinking that he's just a gun-toting Republican and he's more of the free-spirited guy. I don't know. It, just, it was a lot of fun seeing that dynamic. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I have a... For one thing, I'm with the doc when it comes down to this being a far superior film to the original. Um, yeah. I remember seeing the original when I was younger. Uh, I know we've discussed the Hills Have Eyes remake in like the second episode we ever did of Talking Terror when we did the remakes wow. episode in which we crammed like 15 fucking movies into one episode. Oh, yeah. It was like a, yep. it was like a natural disaster come to, come to play. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, like most of those shows. 
Yeah, but this was one of those like really bad roller coaster, man. We jumped from like everything, everything under the sun. Anything that had a remake, we pretty much approached it in some way. And like I said, within the oh, course yeah. of one week, I tried to cram in every single possible film and its remake. So it was just yeah, nightmarish proportions. But that being said, again, I uh, I remember seeing the original Hills Have Eyes when I was younger. Um, and especially, I remember seeing Hills Have Eyes Part 2 when I was younger. Uh, so so I remember the first time I saw this remake was actually with you, Doc. I'm pretty sure we had either rented this or yes. you, we got it somewhere. We watched it at my house, though. Um, yes. And, yeah, I, was, uh, I enjoyed the, the, the characters for, for who and what they were. Uh, I definitely, as a younger parent at that time um, with a, I think my son was like six or seven at this point, which means my daughter was only like one or two uh, tops. Um, you know, I, uh, I could see the different angles and, and so forth, at least as far as I was feeling it at that time, you know, watching it now, I'm kind of like, yeah, I think I liked the movie a lot more the first time around when I saw it back then than I do now. Now I kind of can pick on it a little bit. Uh, you know, seeing Ted Levine, you know, the first time I watched the movie, I didn't even think about it. I didn't realize that Big Bob is also Buffalo Bill. Oh, yeah. I should have because, you know, the second I kind of like turned my head and heard his voice watching it this time around, like, I just knew it instantaneously. I was like, oh, fuck, that's Buffalo Bill. And I completely changed the dynamic for me for this character. Because now I'm not seeing him as Big Bob, who's fucking driving his family across country, being a bunch of, you know, being a bit of a douche, because he knows everything and he's always right. Instead, I'm thinking, this is Buffalo Bill, driving this family to doom, because he's one of the fucking mutants, you know. I'm waiting to see him start talking and fucking putting his lady his lady skin on. Yeah, um... But that's what the one thing that I had a, a problem with, I guess, watching it this time is that you have them going across uh, the New Mexico desert to get to San Diego. Uh, they stop at the gas station to fill up and they meet Jeb, uh, the gas station attendant, who you find out is actually working with the mutants. They give him gifts and he helps them out along the way, guiding people into a shortcut so that they could uh, take care of them and dispatch them and eat them because they're cannibalistic. But uh, to me, Big Bob is not the type of person that would listen to this guy's shortcut. And that's uh, watching it this time. I was like, I don't know why he's listening to this guy. Like Big Bob is the type of guy that always thinks he's right and everybody else is wrong. So why would he take this guy's advice and go, okay, yeah, we'll just cut across the desert. That sounds like a good idea. No, he's going to be the guy that sticks to all the main roads. Cause he's looking to go quicker. You know that that. Yeah. He wants that quicker route, but I don't know. It just it was one of those weird things where he seems like the type of guy that wouldn't listen to somebody else, tell him where he should go. Like, no, I got this. I'm going to take it's my time where I need efficiency. to. That's the thing. Though. Yeah. You know what I mean? This clean, cleans it up. It makes it more efficient. It makes it faster. It sh- in a way, it proves him still being right to everybody else because, look, me going this pathway now led us to this even shorter route. So, you know, ha on all of you fuckers. And we saw how well that worked out for him once he does take the shortcut and the mutants put the uh, the nail strip across the road and end up popping that tire so they're stranded essentially. And uh, it's the desert, no bars, no signal. 
So they, they really know what they're going to do, except Big Bob's going to go with Doug, the husband of Lynn, one of his daughters, to go to the gas station, see if they could phone for help, and, and they're going to send Doug out to see if he could find something you know, to, to help them in the situation. So the splitting up, essentially. Leaving uh, little Bob behind to look after his sisters and his mom and the two dogs, Beauty and Beast. But I do like the fact that little Bob, you know, uh, he, he loves his dad and he thinks he's a badass. But at the same time, when he's with Doug, he wants to impress Doug. So he's, uh, I want to smoke a cigarette with you. And yeah, my dad's a dick. Like, you know, I'm trying to do all this stuff at the same time. Push comes to shove. He's still going to be, you know, at his dad's side. Nick is on the Doug. I like that dynamic. Yeah, I think, uh, again, like I said, when I was, I, I think when, who I was in, I don't know, what is this? This came out in 2006. Yeah, so yeah. we probably would have watched this in like 2007, 2008. Probably a, yeah. a decent estimate, Doc. Mm-hmm. I I think who I was or where my mindset was at that point kind of looked at it from the perspective of Doug and kind of out of the perspective of Bobby and all of that. You know, Big Bob, I could see him being like the parental figure and, and, and kind of getting his mindset, but at the same time feeling like from their perspective, feeling annoyed with him because like, you know what, you're the old man, dude. You're the guy that, you know, Fuck you in your old ways. Better ways to do this shit. You guys are just too fucking stubborn to understand it. Now I'm looking at fucking Doug, and I'm like, you know what, man? Not for nothing, dude. You're in this guy's fucking trailer. Yeah. You know, sitting yep. in there, smoking a fucking cigarette. It's that guy's fucking property. You know full well the guy ain't going to fucking like it. You're only doing it to be a dick. You know, plain yeah. and simple. You know, and that's and I'm an ex-smoker. You know, so it's. But even all of my years, I would never ever do something like that because oh, again, no. there's a certain no. level of respect that you give to people. Yeah, he came off that way when he went up that cigarette in the RV, and he's like, he doesn't like us to smoke it. He's like, well, fuck, Big Bob. I'm like, no, he's kind of being a dick. You know, put it away. You know, wait until you get outside, and then you can smoke as many as you want. But, it, yeah, it was that lack of, of respect for Big Bob and his property that I felt like he needed to have more of. Even back then when I watched it, I thought that. But this is a guy that we're going to have to watch throughout the movie become essentially the hero when things start to take a sour note. So it's like, get that out of the way now that he's kind of a dick because you're going to have to follow him later when, you know, he's, he's taking on the hero, uh, you know, role. Which to this point is still what irritates me the most because I don't like Doug, you know, and I felt like that even with the original film, I just don't like that character. And I get, he's the one with the story arc. He's the one that, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is supposed to have the big change, you know, throughout this film. And I just don't like him. I don't like the actor. I don't like the character. Like everything about him from the moment you see him coming out with his cell phone and he's trying to get a signal and he's just constantly on that fucking phone, you know, mm-hmm. oogling the fucking dude, you know, oogling his wife's younger sister, uh, Emily, oh, or whatever the hell her name is, man, the chick from Lost, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, who like, don't get me wrong. She's looking damn good in that fucking bikini, but you know, man. I don't know. It's like your wife's right there. That's her younger sister. Oh, so then again, I'm the same guy who uh, 
you know, well, recently in one of the gr- recently in one of the groups that I'm in, you know, they they asked like, you know, what's a, what's an easy way to like break up a relationship? And my, you know, I just put in there like, is your sister into threesomes? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Lynn does take notice of that though. When Doug is kind of leering at her, like he she does take notice, and that's when she walks over to Brenda and starts talking to her. So it's like she's aware that Doug, you know, is. You know, I don't think he would do anything, but at the same time, it's kind of inappropriate to be looking at, you know, your wife's sister. Uh, she's just sunning herself in just completely an innocent way. Um, but uh, to Doc's point, I wanted to bring up the mutants because we do get introduced to them once the dogs run off into the desert and little Bob has to look for them. Uh, Beauty what was my point? Introduced to Ruby and Goggles, played by Ezra <laughs> Buzzington. I love the look of the creatures in this movie. Like, I think that's the highlight is seeing the, 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 the makeup effects that they used to make these mutants. That's like Goggles and, and Ruby play the Laura Ortiz, who was in Victor Crowley and a ton of other movies. But what did you think about the, the look of these monsters? You asking Doc. me? Yes. Yes, Doc. I mean, I think they looked, I think they looked uh, you know, pretty cool for for movie monsters and at that time uh you know they showed us uh and i know that they were not pictures that were taken from uh the nuclear testing that was done all of the photographs that they showed us in the opening credits those were actually uh uh um results of the yeah. use of agent orange in vietnam uh but you know when you look at those all those uh images they showed us i feel that that was a you know, in the in the film universe, an a, a accurate portrayal of what you think might these people might look like within the film universe. Mm-hmm. I just I, I love the the shot though of after uh, little Bob finds uh, I think it's a uh, beauty. You know, completely gutted, uh, but one of the mutants mm-hmm. and he goes running away and he falls into the little pit. And when Ruby goes to kind of check on him. You know, and not a very sinister way, but in kind of a protective way, you get the blood drops on her head, and you see goggles sitting above her on a rock, just gnawing at this leg of that dog you just gutted, and just giggling. Yes. with like the light. Like it's such a good shot. Like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good. It was really I good. Shot. Uh, one. Yeah. One of the things, see, and with all of that, with these characters running around, and the obvious uh, amount, especially. Uh, when Doug is walking and comes upon the crater and just sees the shit ton of vehicles uh, down there. And then this movie opens with uh, what I would assume are some type of government scientists that are running tests. Mm -hmm. Uh, That yes, when Big Bob gets back to the gas station, like you see some newspaper on the water on the walls about mysterious disappearances. But I feel like, uh, especially if it's government property and government scientists disappeared, that like it, it wouldn't just be like business as usual around there. That that's just a little like nitpick of of mine, uh, you know. But that's one of the things I was that I was thinking of as I was watching this uh, this time around as well. It's a weird one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the opening with uh, Pluto killing those scientists and then dragging them away in that pickup truck. Great shot. It's really cool. But yeah, you would think that the government would be like, well, people are disappearing. We have to cordon off this area and figure out what's going on, but we don't get that. And not Maybe just people, so like our own our own people too. Um, but yeah. you know, that's I, I'm not trying to get into a whole debate about that. But as we're you know talking about these different little pieces, especially because we're you know still early on in the movie, and it's uh, you know Big Bob is heading back towards the station, and Doug is walking when uh, Little Bob uh, you know encounters the dog being eaten. So 
you know, yeah, something I wanted to, to bring they're up. They're on their two different paths because uh, Doug's trying to find the interstate, and you have Big Bob trying to go back to the gas station to call for help. Uh, when he gets back there, it's seeming like it's abandoned, like he can't find Jeb, doesn't know where he is. And like yeah, the ghoul had said, he finds all these newspaper clippings, and then eventually he finds the bag that was left for him. Uh, containing the ear in the uh, food container and the watches and all the stuff that the mutants have been leaving for Jeb, which leads him to really kind of go on, you know, cop mode, where he's going to take out his gun and try to find this guy <laughs> to figure out what the fuck's this going gigantic on. gigantic fucking handgun. I love it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, big fucking gun. It's so great. Um, but it leads him into the outside of the gas station in the outhouse where Jeb is just realizing he's had enough. Like, he, he can't help these mutants anymore. He's tired. And the best way to do that is to blow his fucking head off his shoulders. Such a great effect. And the fact and that, that he went on for a little while. Yeah. It was so great. Uh-huh. Just seeing that, that effect. And leads to daddy, daddy, and it's like, what the fuck's this coming from? He, you know, and Big Bob freaking out, not knowing where it's coming from, and getting into a car, horror movie trope number 80 fucking six. You fucking look into a car before you get into it, you just don't get in. <laughs> but it's a horror movie. You have to have Big Bob get in that car without looking in the back seat to see if there's anybody there. But of course, the late Billy Drago is in that car as Papa Jupiter. And mm-hmm. really beats the fuck out of him. <laughs> Ted Levine doesn't stand a chance. He just gets beat to hell and wet into those mines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and again, you know, the first time around with this, I, uh, you know, as a parent, there's nothing more in this world that you want than to to be able to protect your kids no matter yeah. what. And mm-hmm. you know, I think children are constantly always looking at their parents in the perspective of your parents are always going to be there to, to protect them, that your father is going to always be the toughest guy in the face of this planet and that nothing will ever come to harm because, you know, anybody ever tries to mess with you, your dad's going to kick their ass. So to watch oh, this yeah. guy just get fucking manhandled like this and then just dragged away and then tied to a fucking tree and lit on fire the way oh, he, it, it was yeah. so absurd like you know I could just only imagine the amount of chaos and, and the, the, the thoughts going through somebody's head as this is happening and the thoughts that aren't going through your head because you're like what in the like I think that um, you know the, the, the wife's reaction was just phenomenal like, she was great. She's like, is that, is, is that Bob? You know, like, yeah. the, the disbelief in the way she was saying it, you know, it, just, it felt so, so right, as opposed to some of the other reactions that were going on here. Well, and plus, it's because you have her saying that, Ghoul, but also you have Doug saying, well, that's not him. That's not him. That's not even happening. That's not, that's not him. Like, trying to protect her when it's obvious that it, it's Bob lit on fire tied to this tree. So they have to go and put him out and try to uh, try to save him, even though it's a lost cause. <clears throat> but while this is happening, you have Lizard and Pluto breaking into the RV to terrorize Brenda. It's just such a hard scene to watch even now, seeing Pluto and Lizard fuck with uh, Brenda and leading to Robert Joy as Lizard essentially raping her. Which, uh, it's a difficult scene to watch. I mean, I don't know what you guys thought, but yeah, even watching it now, just it's a little cringeworthy. 
seeing how far they took it. Got me. Got me hard. Yeah, I'm well, just kidding. That's one, um, of, that's one of the things that that worked for me with this film. Like the original, uh, it's it's so dated and it's so sparse. It is, yeah. And it's so I, – I don't know if silly is the right word, um, but it's just – Not as it's just It's kind of silly. It's, silly is the right word. So, all right, so it's silly, uh, you know, and everything. And when it comes to remakes, when I talked earlier in this episode about, like, updating and bringing something new to the table, you know, and you said that it was something you had thought of too, King. Like, the original Hells Have Eyes is, a, is, is something older that's, like, you know, ripe for an update. You know, yeah. it, it, it yep. doesn't necessarily stand the test of time. And if you're going to remake something, I feel like it should be something that doesn't stand the test of time. Uh, my issue with remakes is that they just remake everything regardless of its impact or its quality uh, just because it's a name. And one of the things that worked for me with this one when it when it come come to, uh, you know, big uh, the opening sequence with the scientists and Big Bob getting smashed around in the car and then set yeah. on fire and homeboy blowing his fucking head off and all of the other violence in this film is that in a lot of cases, this film did go there. We did have that time period, you know, in the kind of early 2000s in like the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I guess they call it the, like the torture porn era of, of horror where uh, they were going there with the graphic violence. And, and that's where that's where the violence in this one works for me. Yeah, because in the scene, you know, yeah, go ahead, cool. I'm sorry. It's little nuances in the performance too, though, that kind of yeah. like take it to that next level. You know, like seeing, you know, Jeb's head, you know, pre-shot. You know, other films oh, yeah. might show yeah. the shot. You might see a splat, but you saw just this fucking husk of like an empty <laughs> fucking yeah. neck vessel that was there in that outhouse. In this, you know, Robert Joy, who, you know, I always think of that guy from Land of the Dead as oh, Charlie, yeah. yep. you know, fucking, mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah, Skyflower, I forget what his character's name was, but, you know, Skyflowers oh, and right. all that shit. Yeah, oh, it was which Charlie, guy are you yeah. talking about? Um, Wizard. Uh, Blizzard. Um, the guy that does mm-hmm. the raping is, is the, yeah. he plays the mentally disabled guy in Land of the Dead. Um, right. So that that's who I I see his face and that's what I automatically think. But like you know again like little things that get done in this scene that make it more effective, like the fact that he checks her vagina and smells it. He smells mm-hmm. his fucking fingers and then checks yeah. himself inside of her. Like it's those little extra fucking details that just kind of take it from being hey it's just another rape scene to wow this is really fucking gross. Well, and then it leads to after that when Wynn gets into the RV and you have Wizard attacking her and he starts to drink from her breast. Like that's like, oh, all right, <laughs> we are we're, we're full in. We're we're in chaos mode because now we have Wizard attacking Wynn and then holding the baby at gunpoint. I mean, again, you know, going for it, like pulling out no punches. Like we're gonna point this gun at this baby in this movie and we're gonna have him drink from her breast before Ethel comes in and gets shot ultimately leading to Lynn trying to fight back against Lizard and stabbing him, which leads to her end up getting killed. Like, it's just, it's, it's pure chaos, but it's just, it's such a, a fucked up scene that it's the highlight of it. Yeah, it and, is. you know, and everything problem- going on in the inside the trailer was very intense, but to, just to lighten the mood of that, uh, one, th- one thing that I had read was that it took them a very long time to shoot that sequence uh, because when they were pointing the gun at the baby, uh, the baby during the filming kept laughing and trying to play with it. 
<laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking that's disturbing. You know, they should have actually kept that in the fucking film just to kind of give you that extra added bit of innocence that the kid doesn't fucking understand what's getting stuck in the kid's face, you know? You're not going to yeah. expect the baby to have what a horrified reaction? Is the baby supposed to cry? The baby doesn't know what a fucking gun does. But no, you know this this does this scene does lead to something that did bother me a little bit. Inconsistent physics within this film, specifically with this 357 that they're using. You know, okay. the, the the mom walks into the trailer, lizard shoots her, and the gun literally launches her back against the fucking wall or the couch yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, with a fucking big old wound in her chest. Meanwhile, same gun right up against Lynn's head, and it that thing should have fucking shattered her head, man. Like, you know, that if that had the fucking impact power to do what it did to the mom, that gun is fucking blasting out the side of your fucking skull. You're not talking about just a fucking entry-exit wound. You're talking about an explosive-style wound coming out the other side of that fucking head. Yeah. It didn't bother me that much, but yeah, I could see what you're talking about physics-wise. And I movies. want to see it. But no, it, 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 it worked for me just in the sense that now Lynn's dead, so that leaves you with Brenda, Little Bob, and Doug to find out that the baby's been kidnapped by the mutants. Like, they have taken the baby, don't know where they've gone to with the baby, but Beast getting revenge for Beauty and killing Goggles, which I, was just a great scene. <laughs> you know, that dog rearing back and finally getting revenge and killing goggles. So it leads them to get the walkie-talkie so they could find out what the fuck's going on. And of course, they're not going to answer Doug. He's telling them, you know, why have you taken her? You know, where is she? But no, he's going to have to go to this village and find out where she is and get her back. And I love the setting of this village, this, you know, model town, essentially, from the 50s with all the mannequins and all the set pieces. Shades you know, of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, that's a great call. Uh, no. Yeah, and that's exactly no. what it was. Yeah, um, but it was a great refrigerator. Uh, just showing you this, uh, you know, model town that you could live in in the desert. Um, and we also get to see in this scene Sist, uh, the mutant with the weird headgear on his neck. That's Greg Nicotero playing Sist. Yep. So he gets a, a cameo, which I thought was good, because it doesn't look anything like him. And I thought the makeup was amazing that they did, because you can't even tell that's Greg Nicotero and he's all that makeup. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, mm. this was uh, 2006, so it was before The Walking Dead started. Um, is this after or before The Mist? It's before uh, The Mist, right? It was around the same time. I think Mist was 2005, oh. 2006. So, yeah, this was time. 2007. Okay, so then there you go. So a year later, uh, but yeah, still great uh, makeup effects. Uh, you have uh, Doug going into one of the houses and finding uh, his uh, the Catherine the baby, but getting attacked by Big Mama, who was watching Divorce Court. <laughs> how did they cable out here? Like, how do they get cable? Like, how are they watching TV? Like, you're talking about the gun satellite. I think well, I actually well, know a regular regular old fashioned antenna too. 
which would have been broadcast television. That's what I was going to say. That would be broadcast TV. Now, you are in the middle of nowhere. You needed an antenna somewhere close to actually get that signal from, though. So that that is a decent enough question. But I don't know. I guess obviously Um, the gas station had a telephone. Yeah, it didn't work. You know, because when you try to use it, it didn't work. So, I mean, it's just there was the prop, basically. But uh, my question is, when he when Doug it gets attacked by Big Mama and he wakes up in the freezer full of the body parts, when he gets out and meets Big Brain, uh, this big mutant in a wheelchair with this gigantic head, do you really feel like you needed an explanation? Like, do you feel like you needed an origin story for the mutants? Like, I felt like it was just padding for time at this particular scene. I mean, I didn't, but only because, I don't know, I kind of gathered the origin story through the clippings in the gas station. Right. And I don't know if it was only in, is it in the, like, I guess I have the director's cut or whatever it is. There's a scene where he's wandering through the caves to get to the town, and he comes across a bunch of the miners' graves, you know. Yeah, that's in my cut, because I've done the cut, too. When you put two and two together, you you understand that these are the fucking children of the miners that didn't fucking leave. I didn't need it verbalized. Yeah. No. And what do you think, Doc? Say that again? Do you really feel like you needed the big brain origin story where he's telling Doug all about how they were the children of the miners that didn't leave and that's what the radiation got to them? And that's what they are now. I, I felt like it was just kind of no, because I feel I, I don't think I don't think Doug cares or needs to know. And they gave us plenty of exposition just from the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> but it, it definitely leads to the battle between Pluto and Doug, which I thought was a great piece. Uh, Michael Bailey Smith playing Pluto. I liked him so much more. I mean, believe it or not, I actually liked him more than Michael Berryman, who played Pluto in the original. I love Michael Berryman. He's a great guy. I think he's a great actor, but I definitely liked Michael Bailey Smith as Pluto because he didn't talk. He didn't really have anything to do other than be a brute and to throw Doug around. I think that's the big thing too, though, is that it just looks better. The violence looks better. It looks more visceral. The, the, the The action sequences are better choreographed. You know, the stuntmen, mm-hmm. better equipped to make this look good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, this is where at least the film starts to get fun again. And, you know, I mean, as fun as this gets. Uh, for me, everything leading up to pretty much him getting to the town, the first, the first time watching this, all of that suspense and everything leading up to the attack was great. I think that's the mm-hmm. one thing that this movie... When you try to watch it a second time around or any time following, because you know already that they're going to fall under attack, you might as well just start the movie from when the mutants attack, because you don't need any of the pre-stuff anymore. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, also, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um Yes, it's a slow buildup because this really gets going, you know, kind of around the 30-minute mark, a little bit after the 30-minute mark. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think um, when we first see the dog, uh, is it like the 32-minute mark? Um, Yeah, that's about right. So all the stuff, you know, that you might not pick up with about the characters, uh, you know, little personality things that you might 
not have caught on the first time around, you might see in a different way in the second time around. I agree what you were saying. And now it's been a long time. Like I watched this movie and it's, it's, it's the first time I've watched it since, you know, I, when I watched it that first time with you, not long after that, I watched it one more time and I haven't seen anything, you know, I haven't seen it since. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it was good to go back and kind of revisit it and get it all back in my brain. Uh, but it was, you know, I didn't remember all of the details and setup uh, leading up to the attack, the attack stuff I remembered. So, And it also gave uh, the other characters, Brenda and little Bob, something to do. While Doug is in his village, they're back at the RV, and they put Ethel and Lynn's body in the car, and they're preparing uh, a trap because they feel like the mutants are going to come back. You know, they're going to try to finish the job and kill them. So they're going to prepare MacGyver style and get some kind of a trap built mm-hmm. so they could uh, kill whoever comes. And I thought it was a creative trap using the, the gas needed, and the matches. It needed a theme song. Uh, using the <laughs> yeah. fishing rod and reel that fucking Doug found when he went to the, uh, went to the, to the big crater and found the all the abandoned yeah. cars and everything. I love the fact that, you know, his initial reaction to that is, is, oh, hey, this must be this area where they, people just come and dump their vehicles. Like, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it's there for. Yeah, in no way is this a dumping ground for people like Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. <laughs> These are all victims' cars and, and stuff that was left behind by the victims. But, you know, Doug is, is doing his own thing where he's just kind of being positive. <laughs> Maybe this is just a junkyard. Yeah, nothing more I did like this. Uh, I did like the scenery in that scene though, when they back the camera out and you just see all the uh, all the bomb craters. That was pretty cool. Now I know that this is supposed to be taking place in New Mexico, where there was only like one actual bomb test that that happened there. Um, but uh, I know most of the filming was done in like Morocco. Yeah, yeah, and but it looks good. You know, like I said the, the set. I mean, I would not know that's Morocco. I think it's just New Mexico desert. I mean, it's a, a great setting. Uh, for the film, but yeah, the, the trap that they built, I was kind of impressed, you know, as they thought of this so quickly, but it also leads to a shot of them realizing that Ethel's body's gone because Papa Jupiter's taken and, and he's having himself a little bit of lunch. <laughs> I'm hungry. Poor Ethel. Boy body. was hungry. Yeah, he has no problem digging in, you know, and but just the sight of, of little Bob seeing his mom's body being just desecrated like that. I mean, that's, <laughs> you can't come back from. Can't you fight know, hunger, man. The stomach you, wants what the stomach wants. But it was great mm-hmm. seeing, you know, Papa Jupiter. Worse, man. It could have come around and fucking found Papa Jupiter fucking it, you know? That was only a matter of time. Like, he was just eating it, and I think he was probably just going to have his way with the corpse afterwards. <laughs> like, he just caught well, him this at the is right the, uh, the, the late Billy Drago. You yep. know, so it's good, good seeing him. Again, just fully committed to the role, man, as fucking bizarre as ever. It was so great, and he didn't have a lot to do, but it was just so great that, you know, he did what he had to do, and it was great. You know, Papa Jupiter being, you know, the way he was. Uh, when he goes and chases him down to the RV, and when he rips open that door, the matches ignite, the gas, and yeah, it's like such a good explosion in this movie. And I honestly didn't think you were going to get to see him again, but you do. You get to see Papa Jupiter again. What a worse for the wear. But it leads Brenda to have her moment, you know, grabbing a weapon and just burying it right in his head. Fucker. Like, I was like, yeah, you do it, Brenda. After everything you've been through, you get a kill. <laughs> you know? 
I was happy to I see her kind of. I just don't out mind watching her do anything, man. That chick was so cute during that period of time, man. Between Lost and then this, you know, she uh, she's one of them almost like uh, what's her name? Fucking Renee Zellweger, who had like this short period of time where she was really good looking, and then her face mm-hmm. just kind of just changed way too way too quick. I don't know if it's too hard to party well, had, or it's just genetics. No, well, she also she had, she, she had some terrible fucking work done, too. I, yes, yes. No, I know, but even before the, the surgeries that, that Zellweger had, she was the reason why she had the surgeries is because she was aging and her face was not going in the direction that she wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's just that it, when you watch a movie like Empire Records, and then you watch her in her movies. Oh, movie, so hot that. So good. <laughs> but I feel like even the change with her happened in, like, Jerry Maguire. Like, I feel like that change started to happen where she's slowly turning into what she would become, you know, with what she had done, where it's like you're not looking like, uh, you know, your character Gina from Empire Records anymore. But, yeah, I never had a thing for her. I mean, except for Texas Chainsaw, Next Generation. Loved her in that movie. Was, there's not much to like about that movie, but she was great in it. Yeah, I, uh, uh-huh. No. <laughs> Thanks, so. There's not much you could say Thank about you. that movie, except that Matthew McConaughey was great, and she was too. <laughs> the mm-hmm. only two takeaways from that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do like the fact that uh, Pluto and Doug have this knockdown dragout fight where Doug's fingers are severed by Pluto's axe. But he eventually gets the upper hand where you think that Pluto is going to deliver the death shot because Doug looks like he's ready to just go after this fight. Like he looks like he is just covered in blood and ready to go. But he gets the upper hand with that American flag and eventually buries the axe into uh, Pluto, killing him. I was like, who would have thought that Doug would have been a badass by the end of this movie? Not me. <laughs> he didn't seem like he was going to be a killer. You know, it seemed like he would be a victim. But no, he, he fights. Well, I mean, look, that's, Sharon, that's the know. direction it was heading. Like, they were setting, you know, for all of the bravado and gun talk from Big Bob, they were positioning Doug to, to have that shift. So uh, as as Bob was ki- – like, it was once Bob was killed at the, at the beginning, it was obvious that Doug was going to be the one that was going to have to, you know, save the day as much as the day got saved in this film, especially with his baby being gone. So I figured that, you know, he was going to have the character turn – um, you know, and have to have to become a badass. Yeah, I, I bought it though. I didn't mind it. Like you know, I wasn't like, oh come on, this guy. No, I mean, he got put through the paces, but it worked. Well, just a real quick aside on this whole thing too, man. Uh, speaking of, it actually is and totally unplanned, obviously, but it is Michael Berryman's birthday today. So happy birthday oh. to you, Michael Berryman. The original Pluto, happy birthday, who we got to meet at Bizarre AC and have a photo op with. Very cool guy. Yeah, he cool? Very nice. He was very cool. <laughs> uh, he's so, dude, he's so great in weird science. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he, he, yeah, he's a great character actor and a, a very nice guy. But, yeah, the original Pluto, um, this one, again, we, we talked a lot about Michael Bailey Smith, only because it's just the makeup was great and his actions were great. He didn't have the talk. He just had the laugh and, and just grunt and growl, and it worked uh, I kind of was disappointed that Big Brain, when Beast runs into the house and kills Big Brain, you don't get to see any of it. It's all off screen. You just hear him screaming. I kind of wanted to see a little bit of that action. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if that was either that might have just simply been a choice of not showing another scene of the dog committing violence. You know, or it could Maybe. have been them trying yeah. to go it could have been also them trying to be a little bit artistic where, you know, since they panned <laughs> out you just kinda of hear him screaming and the dog growling and snarling. What's funny, you know, we have uh we have our little jug, uh, Cosmo here, who is completely one hundred percent loves seeing dogs on television. If oh, nice. there is a dog or any, or any animal on TV, he instantly reacts. He watches TV with us. I always thought dogs couldn't see television. They apparently can. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But the second there's a dog on TV, he'll run up close to the television in the living room, stand up on his back legs, and just kind of tiptoe around watching it until that dog is no longer there. So watching him react towards seeing Beast tearing people up and growling in this angry manner as he did that, that cute little thing that dogs do where they cock their head to the side as in like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, that, that was constantly going on throughout this film with him. Well, even in the movie, when uh, Beast finds Beauty's body, I was kind of surprised they included that shot. Uh, all right. You know, the, the fact that he finds the dog's body and kind of reacts to it, like, oh, this is, this is uh, Beauty. <laughs> you know, this is my companion. Who I've been with and dead, so now I gotta have a blood vengeance against this mutant family. It's kind of cool to include that shot too. Thought it was a good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be true, yo. The problem I had uh, with this finale with Ruby grabbing the baby to distract Wizard, uh, so she could run off with it and protect it. You have Doug uh, in tow chasing after Ruby with the baby. When we get to the finale of Wizard and he gets shot multiple times, it's like he's becoming Michael Myers. Like You don't think that this guy would survive as many shots as he took, but he just keeps getting up after all these shots. I couldn't believe how many. I think it was like six or seven shots at least I counted that he took, but he's still getting up. Who's that? Lizard or yeah. Papa Jupiter? Lizard. No, Lizard. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say – Jupiter takes a bunch of shots too, as yes, he does. Bobby and them are, you know, as he's chasing after Bobby, and uh, before before they blow him up in the trailer, um, you know, in which he just shrugs them off. I don't know. Maybe it's their mutant super fucking power to be able to deflect or just take some shots and still be able to be like, rah, you know, we don't know any better that we're hurt, damaged <laughs> because we're mutated stuff. I don't know. Obviously, the laws of genetics don't work anymore once you've been mutated by nuclear radiation. I guess I just I was like, it was so weird to see Wizard take so many shots and still be able to get up. You know, maybe it is just you know again suspension of disbelief for the movie. Um, but yeah, I was like, all right, so when's this guy going to fucking be killed? Because it keeps getting up, but it leads to Ruby committing the ultimate hero act of taking him off that cliff and then landing. I felt honestly Ruby could have survived that. I believe I can fly. I thought Ruby could have survived that. The way that she positions herself when she grabbed Wizard and jumped off, she could have just used his body as a crash pad. So she could have lived. But now we got to take her out of the movie, too. I mean, in movie world, yes. Uh, I don't know. In real life, that was a pretty fucking high fall off of a pretty rocky cliff and mountain area in which you're going to be hitting all kinds of rocks and 
You know, I don't, I don't think the human body is going to hit with just a regular thud at that point. You're probably going to bounce, and internal injury is going to occur. And she's a small child, mutant or not. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess she could have survived. Maybe she did. They just don't show it. Yeah, in the original, the mutant that plays Ruby does survive. And that leads into the sequel that Wes Craven did, where she's living with the family now. Very uh, – that, that sequel, it's rough. But we're not talking about the original – we're talking about the remake. Uh, but, yeah, so after Wizard and Ruby die off the side of the cliff, you get the reunion of Doug and Brenda and little Bob in the desert. Everything is going to be fine. We have Catherine back. And, and the baby. We're gonna have our, we have our big Catherine. hug. and yeah, Catherine, yeah, the baby. So, yeah, we're going to have our, our big reunion, you know, in the middle of this desert. But we're not done because there's a – another mutant that's looking at them. So obviously this isn't the end, you know, not all the mutants have been destroyed because there is someone that's looking at them through uh, binoculars, which I thought was a great way to yeah. end the movie. The fact that it's which just, again, it's I mean, over. obviously it's just hinting that this was a bigger thing and that, you know, obviously, I mean, even if you go from the very start of the movie, um, you know, after the whole thing, when they first deliver the sack of goods to Jeb, um, you know, obviously they saw Bob and family coming, which is why they delivered yeah. the goods to Jeb so that he would set them up down the road. You know, so there's obviously a network of these fuckers watching what's going on. Which Jeb didn't have to do. I mean, he honestly didn't have to set them up to go take that shortcut that would lead to them being hunted down and killed by the mutants. So I don't know why he did it. Because he was out. I think that, he said he was done. I think, well, no, he was saying he was out. I think, you know, he was afraid that the mutants would kill him. You know, number one. Number yeah. two, though, I think, you know, he also, I think this was, that was a weird one, too. Because, you know, you have that scene where Lynn is in that room because the dog went running in there. Which, you know, yeah. not for nothing, people. Fucking control your animals. Your dog just goes <laughs> running on into the fucking building. Like, you know, nobody's like, oh, hey, you know, sorry about this, this and that. No. It's like, hey, I'm just going to go fucking walk on into your back room because that's where my dog went. Um... So it was kind of like one part he was afraid she might have saw what was in the bag. I felt like it kind of came off as. But at the same time, too, like I said, they delivered the goods to him knowing that the family was on their way so that this way he would direct them down that path. So I feel like he was he was obviously destined to die if he wasn't going to send them down the path, but his guilt killed him anyway when he did. Well, because he would have did what he did, I think, which is just die by his own hand. I think that would have been the ultimate uh, thing with him, that, you know, that his fate was meant to be in that outhouse of him blowing his head off because they realized that there would be no end to these mutants. They were always mm-hmm. going to be after him. They were always going to be giving him stuff. And like you had said, go well, up a good point that if he stops, they'll just fucking kill him. They don't care. He took- they have no attachment to him. The thing, too, though, is, is he took the bag. You know, originally he goes to yeah. walk into the building, he steps over it, closes the door, you know, then he opens it and takes it inside. So. Yeah, because at the end of the day, he still wants to see what they brought him. And they brought him some cool stuff. I mean, you know, even the ear or something, you know, it's got earrings on it. So <laughs> <he> could, <laughs> you know, put it in that it's little styrofoam container. Yeah, yeah there you go. He might snack, be snacking you know, on that's that. what you get at the diner, you know, that's what you put your pie in. 
But I, I love that gas station, though, because he's got all the expired cans on the shelves. Like, who's buying any of this? Like, this is like the last chance gas station. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not buying goods at this gas station. You're just getting it for gas. Yeah, uh, I think he says it best. You know, you don't see many people coming down that path anymore, so. No, because it's out of the way. It's, I mean, it's desert. So the fact that they found a gas station to begin with is kind of impressive. Because you wouldn't think there'd be anything out that way. But that's where they want to go through to get to San Diego. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love yeah, I mean, I'm sure the doc can attest to it, though, too, is, you know, when, you, when you're heading out there nowadays, because of all the bypasses, because of all the highways, you know, that got built up, there's a lot of these towns and a lot of places like that that would have thrived at one point or at least had people passing by that now no longer have anybody going through there. You know, I mean, not to bring up a fucking Disney Pixar movie, but, you know, Cars kind of uses that as the thrust of its main plot in which, you know, because of bypass, you know, a highway got built, you know, people no longer go to this town that, that used to be a thriving place because people would always drive through it when they were heading west. It was using Psycho when they built a new highway. Yep. And now everybody's going on the highway and they're passing by the baseball town, not even knowing it's there. So, you know, building the highways and byways of America has definitely killed the American dream. I guess in a lot of ways, you know, is a takeaway from a lot of these movies. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just I love The Hills of Eyes. I'm glad that you picked it. Uh, the sequel was actually kind of fun. They came out a couple of years later. Derek Mears uh, is one of the mutants in that one, named Chameleon. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about Derek Mears earlier, uh, meeting him at the NJ Horicon. He is in that one. So that might be a pick for another day. But uh, The Hills of Eyes is definitely one that uh, is worth checking out. Especially because, like I said, I love Wes Craven. Rest in peace, sir. But, yeah, that 1977 movie leaves a lot to be desired when you compare it to the 2006 movie. Far superior film. Just like the Dawn of the Dead remake. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, oh, know, yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with, with uh, Wes Craven's remakes, too. I mean, I, I wasn't a fan of Last House on the Left, that remake that came out. I felt like that didn't have the mean spirit that that original movie had, even though that original movie is incredibly dated. I mean, it's 1972. It's just horribly dated, but at the same time, it's just so that dirty. remake just it's like watching a porn. It's just it, that remake that came. I don't. I can't remember the the director, but too yeah, clean. that that remake just didn't do it. Yeah, it was too clean. It was too Hollywood. They didn't go enough far out there. And I think it was around the same time as uh, this movie. I think it was 2007. I want to say the remake of The Last House on the Left came out. The Ghoul Girl is a big fan of it. Um, I don't know if she, I don't think she's ever seen the original. Um, And I also, though, it was 2009 uh, that The Last House on the Left uh, remake had had gone through. Um, I I don't know if that's one where she'll actually like the the original or not you know she she enjoys the remake for for what it is it's it's the only one that she's known um like i said for me i i, I like the remake just because it's one of those i mean and i even say that and i don't even mean it it's not that i like the original it's i can appreciate what the original makes me feel which is just gross and dirty and weird when i watch it so yeah, I mean, uh, and I like Garrett, uh, Garrett Dillahunt, who played Krug in the remake, but he's just no comparison to David Hess. Like, David Hess, like, you just don't even want to be in the same room with him when he's in that movie as Krug compared to Garrett Dillahunt. But, 
So, yeah, that was one that left a bad taste in my mouth. But uh, I believe next week it is your pick, Doc. Uh, do you have something for us? I do. And, All right. Uh, in, in tribute to the ghoul, I'd like to stay around 2006 and announce we'll be watching Evil Bong. Oh, you gotta no, I'm kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's totally a joke. Did you know? Did you know that there's? Hold on. Do you know there's there's, there's fucking like, like eight or nine movies in that series? Yeah. No, there's also yeah. a crossover. Yeah. There's also a crossover with the Ginger Dead Man. There's the Ginger yep. Dead Man Evil versus, versus Evil Bong also. I've seen all of these are on Tubi <laughs> TV. Yeah. yeah, Evil Bong 420, uh, Evil Bong High Five, 666777. Seven, seven. Um, seven, seven. So, yeah, no, I, I would, that, yeah, that was just a joke. Yeah, we're totally not <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's a ton of them. I mean, they're, they're full moon productions, so of course they're going to have like a million of them because they're so cheap to make and just easy to pull out. But all right, So what is your actual pick next week, Doc? Uh, we will be what we will uh, be uh, sticking. Well, not sticking. We'll be uh, residing in the modern era. Uh, we're going to be uh, getting the opportunity to 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 view and discuss a Netflix original film called The Perfection. Oh, I've heard of this one. It had a they had a little bit of noise when it first came out, but people were really checking this movie out because it was a Netflix original. So, looking forward to checking this out, The Perfection. Uh, I see it. So, yeah. Starring Allison Williams and Williams and Logan Browning. So um All right. So yeah. So that is our pick for next week. So thank you so much for that. And stay tuned next week as we discuss the perfection. Uh thank you so much, Doctor, for joining us tonight to discuss the Hills of Eyes, horror news and everything else that we have. I didn't say Yeah, I didn't I didn't say the erection ghoul, I said the perfection when you were talking about looking in the mirror. Oh my bad. That's another film for another podcast. Mm. All the time. <laughs> All right. You got it. So, Ghoul, why don't you hit us with a plug as we close out this evening? Well, as per always, check out Bonfire Bead Designs on Etsy, all one word, Bonfire Bead Designs. Uh, all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, gemstones, interesting stuff, bracelets, necklaces, rings, you name it, it is there. But uh, also, though, get your asses in gear, get in your car, head out to Pennsylvania this weekend, take a trip, enjoy yourselves, a little bit of leisure time, some fun scenic viewing, come to the Horror Sideshow Market, meet some guests, buy some stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, you got Felissa Rose going to be there, Angela from Sleepaway Camp, along with Jonathan Tierston, who was Ricky in Sleepaway Camp. Uh, Sharon Smith-Lentz is going to be there. She was from Dark Shadows. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of, of things. Uh, Amelia Kincaid from Night of the Demons. Ooh, nice. Be Father Evil, man. Be a sinner and fucking get blessed with Father Evil. You want to get married? There you go. Father Evil can handle it, dude. He fucking does everything. He's awesome. But again, all these vendors are going to be there. There's going to be amazing things. Christmas is around the corner. So is Halloween. If you've got people in your life that are into that kind of stuff, this is where you got to go to buy it. Head on out. Like I said, 1901 South 12th Street, Merchant Square, Allentown, PA. It's 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the 7th and on the 8th. $5 to get in. It's a killer little venue. All kinds of other shops in the place as well. There's good food. And there's us. So what more can you want? 
I love it. All right, so check that out this weekend. Uh, as we close Thank out, you, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Dustin Fallon, uh, a friend of the show, he runs a little website called HorrorAndSons.com. Next month is going to be the Halloween Horrors 2019 Writer's Submission, of which I am also going to be a part of, once again, my third year running, uh, being a part of the Writer's Submission. Uh, he has a couple spots left. So if you check out the Talking Terror Facebook page, you can see how you could also be a part of this uh, writing submission. I'll be talking about a film from the 80s that is very much Canadian, but one that I think is very enjoyable. So stay tuned for what that is going to be. I will announce it on the Talking Terror page when he makes that announcement. So thank you so much to him and also contributor in her own right, darling Nikki, who I've been talking to a lot, and she's been writing a lot of commentary on a lot of the movies we talk about recently. So I appreciate the fandom and the support. But until next we meet... Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hit us with that catchphrase, Ghoul. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. <laughs>